There are a good many ways that institutional investors are taking best advantage of this versatile market created by broad public participation. Something big is happening on Bitcoin right now, and it's capturing the whole community's attention. Ordinals, a new protocol that's enabled NFTs to be created, traded, and transferred directly on Bitcoin, has created quite a stir. In one corner, you have the Bitcoin maximalists. Their primary argument against ordinals is that Bitcoin should only be used for financial transactions. Anything outside of that use case is counter to its mission. In the other corner, you have people that are pretty excited about a new use case for Bitcoin that could potentially onboard a whole wave of new users. And then there's another pretty large group of people trying to figure out what the hell all of this means, how it works, and why they should even care in the first place. Well, I've spent the past couple of weeks diving deeper and deeper and deeper into Bitcoin NFTs and the Ordinals project as a whole. Thankfully, I've been able to speak to a whole host of incredibly helpful people with much bigger brains than mine to help get a better understanding of how it all works and whether or not this could become a major part of Bitcoin in the long term. Now, I'm going to share an overview of everything you need to know to understand Ordinals and the future of Bitcoin NFTs. I'm Matthew House Barbie, and you're listening to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. Over the past couple of weeks, Bitcoin has been thrown to the forefront of the conversation. This has all stemmed from the launch of a controversial new protocol called Ordinals. It's brought NFTs to Bitcoin. And it's done so in a pretty novel way. So it's creating a whole new market that people are rushing to be involved in. I've dived deep into the depths of Discord channels and Telegram groups, just so that you don't need to, to find out exactly what's going on. I even managed to mint an NFT of my own on Bitcoin within the first 1500 to be minted through Ordinals, which was pretty cool. To explain how all of this works, I've enlisted the help of two people with significantly larger brains than I do. Dodder and Elf are the founders of Forgotten Runes, uh, which if you haven't heard of it, it's a pretty popular NFT project that was launched on Ethereum back in 2021. They're now taking this adventure all the way over to Bitcoin. Here's why. The core philosophy behind Forgotten Runes is this idea of putting your mark on the world uh, or as we say in the cult, putting your rune on the door. Um, you, you put your rune on the door so that history does not forget you. Um, and you can think of countless figures throughout history who have done this, um, like Alexander the Great or Leonardo da Vinci, Mozart, Martin Luther King Jr., Steve Jobs, and so on. Um, these are figures who have put their mark on the world, and thus we will never forget them because of it. Uh, but now this mechanism of putting your mark on the world uh, weirdly has become democratized. Um, it's available to everyone through blockchain technology. Uh, we all have a chance to put our mark on uh, an immutable historical record through decentralized ledger technology. Uh, so 
we really wanted Forgotten Runes um, to leave a very early mark on this chain. Uh, and we released a very small collection of what we call shadow hats uh, or just shadows. Um, and they're sort of a commentary on the shadowy character that we all know as Satoshi Nakamoto, who, you know, is history's ultimate shadow hat hacker, um, someone who we all agree uh, has left their mark on the world. Um, so, you know, that that's something that we did recently. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're just now beginning to see uh, new ways that, that people are using this, this Ordinals project. There's a lot of excitement about the future of Bitcoin NFTs, but before we get into that, let me explain the building blocks of how all of this works. So content is added to a Bitcoin transaction. For example, a piece of artwork, an audio clip, or a video. And then it's linked to, within the metadata, of an individual Satoshi. Now, a Satoshi is the lowest denomination of a Bitcoin, just like how you have a Way is the lowest denomination of Ether on Ethereum. While it's been possible to add content to a Bitcoin transaction for some time, it's the linking of this content's location from a Satoshi that's the main innovation here. This process of linking a Satoshi is known as an inscription. And once inscribed, the Satoshi works as a non-fungible token, an NFT, that can be traded in a similar way to that of an NFT on Ethereum. Here's, here's how Dodder explains things. Right, so there's Bitcoin, uh, as like the chain, then there's BTC as the currency. Um, and then ordinals is the name of the, the, the project and also the software that you use to, um, to kind of assign metadata on the Bitcoin chain that creates these, um, I'm going to call them NFTs, even though, like you said, they don't actually. They actually use the term digital artifacts, which I love the term digital artifacts more than NFTs. I think at this moment, it's a bit of semantics. Like for all intents and purposes, what they're talking about is NFTs on Bitcoin. And and, and the term inscription is a lot like how you might use the term um, mint on Ethereum. What, what's happening is we're actually inscribing this, this NFT onto a particular Satoshi, and it uses... Uh, basically the scripting language that is built within the Bitcoin uh, to do that. While there's been a lot of innovation here, the user experience of interacting with ordinals is, I think it would be kind to say, still very poor and just lacks many of the basic building blocks that will bring these NFTs to the average user. At a high level, there will eventually be no difference, right? You'll have your wallet, which you can use in your browser, and you'll be able to kind of uh, make offers, accept offers, um, and the software should control all of it behind the, like behind the scenes for you seamlessly, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't actually, as a user, have to have too much of a technical in-depth knowledge in terms of what's happening behind the scenes in order to actually use the system. Uh, that said, today, part of the reason why it took so long for this to happen and part of the reason why people are so excited about it now is that they actually uncovered a really elegant mechanism for um, how to attach um, uh, data like NFTs to individual Satoshis. 
Since its launch, several thousand inscriptions have already been created, and this is only within, I think, two to three weeks. Each one has its own serial number, starting from zero for the first ever inscription made and increasing by one chronologically. So inscription one, two, three, four. And that's all based on the time that it was mined on the Bitcoin blockchain. For example, the inscription that I added to Bitcoin is number 1326, meaning it's the 1,326th inscription to ever be made, which was a very fun experience and required a lot of help along the way. But you can kind of see how the numbering, the sequential numbering of these inscriptions could lead to some being deemed more notable and hold a certain level of provenance in the future. Some of the earliest inscriptions are already considered very valuable, right? The inscriptions below, um, you know, 500, below 1,000. So um, there is a project called Ether Rocks, and someone has made a derivative called a Bitcoin Rocks. And we've already seen some of the Bitcoin Rocks go for over one, uh, one BTC. So that, that's, that exchange has happened already. You know, what, what we are sort of stumbling into is this idea of someone like potentially trading one Satoshi for one Bitcoin. But because that one Satoshi has uh, this piece of culture appended to it, i.e. an artwork or something else, uh, suddenly that one Satoshi is feasibly worth one Bitcoin. Um, you know, that, that alone is just super fascinating. And this speaks to the power of NFTs. What's pretty crazy right now is that while some of these big sales are happening, there's still no marketplace to buy, sell, and swap Bitcoin NFTs. Like, you can't just jump into OpenSea or Blur or Magic Eden. It, it's all been done via OTC trades within Discord groups. When you go into these groups, it's literally like one person uh, kind of operating as escrow and brokering the deal between two people. You know, this is going to change very soon. But if you are planning on trading, speculating, whatever it may be, be really vigilant because honestly, this is an environment that is ripe for scams. While I'm not saying that all of these trades are scams, it is pretty much the best environment you could possibly be dealing in as a scammer. So just kind of bear that in mind. It's really interesting. It's basically speed running um, the Ethereum NFTs in in a lot of different dimensions. Like you see a lot of kind of reflections or echoes of what happened with ETH. So for example, when you look back at punks and you look back at CryptoKitties, it wasn't easy to use those things. Um, and then of course the people who participated early on now are seen as kind of these like, uh, you know, geniuses who have made very well for themselves. And so I think that you're basically seeing the same thing here with ordinals. The, the tooling is very rough. Um, one of the first things that they're working on is this idea of a trustless exchange. Um, and so they're not smart contracts in the same way to speak of on, on, on Bitcoin, but what you can actually do is you can have almost like a multi-sig transaction. It's called um, partially signed Bitcoin transactions, where what, what I actually could do is I can sign a transaction saying, oh, I'll offer you, you know, uh, 300,000 Satoshis for this one Satoshi, which has 
an NFT inscribed on it, right? I want to buy that from you. And then if you sign that, then the, you can submit the transaction to the network and then uh, the, the exchange happens. Interestingly enough, as to my knowledge, no one has actually written code to, to exchange multiple Satoshis for one Satoshi. Because like, why would you, right? Why, why would you You'd assume that the value is the same? But with ordinals, now there's actually a reason for, for, for that to exist. And so, um, the, and the technology basically is like very close to be able to do that. So that's an important piece. Then once you have that, you'll have a website where you can basically organize um, the, the, the inscriptions into collections where you can uh, make and accept offers, right? You can use a web app to basically create those transactions or at least to help you. Right now, the ordinal software does require that you run a full Bitcoin node, which is like an impossible hurdle for most people. Um, there are ways that you can buy and receive ordinals, but you can't sell or transfer them uh, without a full node. And so, yeah, th there are people working already on sort of this light node software um, that I think we'll see within a couple of months. So so you're, you're basically going to see all these tools fall into place probably much more quickly than anyone expects. So things are going to get better from a user experience point of view. And what's pretty clear is that this inscription mechanic for linking content stored on the Bitcoin blockchain to individual Satoshis is the key to why this all works. But there's definitely more to this. I mean, what? why is this different to any other blockchain launching NFTs? And what's so different about the way this is being done versus on Ethereum? Well, to begin with, unlike Ethereum, where the content that's linked to from an NFT, for example, like the digital artwork, is hosted nearly always off-chain within platforms like IPFS or Arweave, Ordinals, on the other hand, host this content directly on the Bitcoin blockchain. In fact, the entire process is managed end-to-end -end within the Bitcoin blockchain without the need for sidechains or even any new tokens or token standards, etc. It's worth hammering home this point because you know, most people don't actually realize this, that on Ethereum, the actual artwork or whatever the kind of content is from the NFTs is nearly always, not, not always, but nearly always, stored on a completely different platform, not on Ethereum at all. For example, you may remember that $69 million NFTs sold by the artist Beeple. Well, the artwork, it's not actually, it doesn't actually live on Ethereum. It's hosted on IPFS, the interplanetary file system. The actual NFT on Ethereum simply links to the location of the content and just store some very basic metadata. If anything were to happen to the IPFS network, well, the artwork would be gone and it would create a pretty awkward situation for the holder of that NFT. Now, this isn't to kind of FUD the IPFS network, it's just merely pointing out these are two systems that have a dependency upon one another. With ordinals, it is different. The content, uh, artwork, let's just say interchangeably, is stored on the Bitcoin blockchain differently and uh, directly, sorry. And as long as Bitcoin remains alive, so does the content. There are limitations that come with this, of course. One of those is that Bitcoin blocks have a maximum size of four megabytes, not to un uncover the block size debate that's been going on pretty much since we launched this podcast. But that means that 
content added to Bitcoin can never be greater than this size. But people are still finding innovative ways to use ordinals. And one of my favorites is inscription number 466 that links to a playable version of the classic video game Doom, which is just, it, it's a great moment. And it's these moments combined with the feeling that Bitcoin is experiencing a new important moment in its history that's capturing the attention of so many. Look at what NFTs did for ETH. I mean, you could argue that NFTs brought ETH to the mainstream because it brought the culture and perhaps more importantly, it brought fun. Um, people love trading NFTs and playing with NFTs. Um, it's, it's more of a gut visceral feeling you get when you, when you buy and trade an NFT. Um, you know, if, if, if the Bitcoin community wants to stay this like niche community of maxis who just repeat the store of value narrative ad nauseum, I, I think that the, the community is going to just grow very slowly and painfully. And, and honestly, I think an argument can be made that that store of value narrative is actually against Satoshi's vision. Um, to my knowledge, Satoshi never talked about store of value, but they did talk about a monetary system built for daily transactions of goods and services. And, and, and that's what NFTs do. Um, you know, I'll say that like when Dota and I first minted or, or inscribed our shadows last week, I remember someone in uh, this Ordinal's Discord, he said, wow, I finally have something to spend my Bitcoin on. That comment just like hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, this is what NFTs did for ETH. Like if you want to buy an NFT, you have to buy and spend ETH. And it like gives a whole new reason for Bitcoiners to spend Bitcoin. And, and thus uh, the, the network just started seeing a ton of activity. Um, you know, I, I, to, the, to the Bitcoiners, I, you know, I think you're going to want this community to come in. Now, the comparisons to what NFTs did for Ethereum will continue to be a narrative pushed by proponents of ordinals. And, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about this. I think there's just, I think this is really, it's a, it's a useful comparison, but I think Ethereum is fundamentally different in what it was designed for versus Bitcoin. So I'm not sure if the narrative is kind of one-to-one, -one, but I appreciate the sentiment behind it. But I, but I do think, you know, there's something that, really separates these Bitcoin NFTs from Ethereum NFTs that goes beyond the content, the artwork that is that is linked to from the NFTs themselves. And this is related to the actual Satoshis on the Bitcoin blockchain. So one part, as we mentioned, is the inscriptions. But even before a Satoshi is inscribed, it has some unique value according to Ordinal's theory. And this is kind of based on the idea that actually, you know, Satoshis themselves have always been non-fungible. One of the interesting things about ordinals and one of the like foundations is built on is they call it ordinal theory. And um, we've been talking here mostly around Satoshis that are valuable because they have this like uh, uh, this piece of culture, this piece of art attached to them. Um one of the things that 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 the hardcore ordinal collectors are looking for are actual rare satoshis within the system themselves. There's actually like a, a numbering system where they're looking for 
Um, what havening was the Satoshi in? What block of the havening was it in? What what was the the what position within the block and what transaction uh, within the block was it? Uh, was that Satoshi actually placed? And so um, there are a group of people, small but growing people, who actually hunt for these sort of like rare Satoshis within within the chain, almost like searching for a rare, rare truffle or something. And so. Um, and, and there's no art attached to it either. They're just like, oh, this was a Satoshi that was like, you know, the first sat in a block of like the second difficulty period. It's this part that gets me quite excited because it is a completely unique system that we haven't seen before in crypto. It's simple to understand, but clearly brings a whole new dynamic for projects, builders, creators to innovate on top of. But, you know, it's fair to say that not everyone's as excited as I am. A loud section of the Bitcoin community has been very against the Ordinals project. I think that the the, the, the fraction of Bitcoiners who hate this idea of NFTs is actually probably a, quite a vocal minority. In my DMs, I've seen quite a lot of folks who have been involved in Bitcoin for a long time. And they and they quietly think like this. This is the most I've been excited about uh, Bitcoin in, in years. Um, you know, I think that more more fundamentally, you know, one of the stories that always was passed around when people were trying to get the idea of Bitcoin in the first place was this idea of like, are you familiar with like the rye stones right from the island of Yap, where it was like uh, basically this this island that had discovered we discovered that they that they use these giant stones that no one could move as this like store of value and. And a lot of the objections towards NFTs on Bitcoin is like, I don't want my money to be interesting. I just want it to be like a big dumb rock. Um, like I just want it to be this like very reliable, consistent store of value. But I think that like, um, I think that, they, you know, they'll say, I don't want the blockchain to be used for something, anything that's not a financial transaction. And I, I totally think that storing art on chain and using art as, um, using the chain as a record of ownership and for a mechanism for exchange of pieces of artwork is absolutely a financial transaction um, as well as an artistic one. So I just don't think that there's any kind of like absolute reason why these sorts of transactions couldn't happen on Bitcoin. Love it or hate it, Ordinals is here and it's probably here to stay. We'll be keeping a close eye on the developments happening in the space and be sharing what we find all along the way. It's it is an exciting time and you know my hope is that this just brings a new cohort of builders to bitcoin and they will create unique use cases and applications that can onboard a new cohort of users i just want to extend a big thank you to dollar and l for the help pulling this episode together and if you want to learn more about ordinals go check out ordinals.com um that's where you can kind of view all of the inscriptions that have been added to blockchain uh, to the bitcoin blockchain you can read full documentation to get yourself started we'll be sharing out and i'll personally certainly be sharing out a lot around ordinals and bitcoin nfts on my personal twitter and also on my blog mhb.xyz but i would recommend everyone to go check things out and as i mentioned earlier on the episode please do approach any kind of trading in this space with caution until more trustless um marketplaces and infrastructure has been built out.
Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation, why not subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a positive review. You want to catch up on all of the previous episodes? Why not visit decryptingcrypto.xyz, follow us on Twitter at decryptopodcast. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or just want to leave us some personal feedback, email us at podcast at decryptingcrypto.xyz. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.